Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 158, Five Ways to Overcome a Podcast Failure. Welcome back to another episode of the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning how-to podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to podcast with passion, organization, and dialogue. And I've failed before. You've probably failed before, too, in this podcasting space. And there are different ways to define failure, and we certainly feel differently about failure. But one key thing to keep in mind is that failure may not be the end of your podcast or the end of your career or the end of your reputation, but you can work through this. You can find success in your failure, and there are many different ways to overcome some kind of podcasting failure that you might have. So I've got five tips for you. Number one, redo if possible. Number two, don't start with an apology. Number three, fix it the best you can. Number four, skip if it's too bad. And number five, Ensure it doesn't happen again. But let me tell you a story before I get into this. I recently attended the 2014 Consumer Electronics Show, or CES, and I was there with the Tech Podcast Network to cover it, and that was to do floor interviews, live interviews, live streaming. We did a lot of stuff there, and this was my second time going, and I was really excited about this because the first time I went was, well my first time. I didn't know what to expect. I was also sick the first time that I went. I wasn't sure what I should cover, how to look for things and such. But the second time, I had a much better impression of what would be happening, what I should cover, how to look for things, what to expect at the conference. And I was healthy, which was also a big deal this time for being at CES 2014. And in 2013, I recorded only three floor interviews of my time there. I was there for all but one day of CES 2013, only three floor interviews. And the three that I recorded, I barely had a voice because I was sick. And looking back, they weren't that amazing of products. But of those three interviews, I lost two of them. The files just completely disappeared. No one had them. I got the wrong copy, the wrong folder of files, so no one could find the videos that I had. The one and only video that I had that was that I had from the recording of the floor interviews just wasn't that exciting out of a product. So I felt like if this is my only video that I put out from CES, it's just not worth it to be the only video. Well, in 2014, I had a much better expectation set for what to expect at CES, how to look for products and such, and how to find those unique things. And I recorded nearly 20 floor interviews, and I think I found some great content there. But here's where it got bad. When I got back home and started to edit the videos, I discovered a major, major problem with the videos. The mic gain wasn't properly set. So all but one of my videos had this terrible audio, a really bad hiss in the background. In fact, here's a sample of how the video sounded. This first video I did with Nady, the audio manufacturing company, 
And this video worked well. It was because I was using a different microphone with this video. So here is the audio, uh, part of the audio from this video. I'm going to show you two great microphones that'll give you a new way of recording audio content. So you can hear some crowd noise in the background, that's fine. We're at a loud event. It was very loud there at CES, and I'm using a dynamic microphone, an interview microphone. It turned out great, That the audio for that. And that crowd noise, that's acceptable in the background. The main thing is you can hear my voice really well in that video. But that was my one video that turned out well. Now listen to the uh, a sample of the other videos to hear what is so dreadful to me about the way these other videos sound. We're going to show you a product that will give you portable battery backup for your MacBook. That's right, battery backup for your MacBook. Watch this. So you can hear loud hiss. My voice is much quieter and the hiss is really loud. And when I'm talking into the microphone, I'm projecting my voice into the microphone and I'm being a little bit louder. So in the same interview, the lady that was the representative of this company spoke a little bit more softly. So her voice ends up coming through like this. It's USB powered or even a GoPro camera. Um, and then next we have the Hyperjuice battery, the 100 watt hour. So terrible, terrible audio. And I have been stressing about this ever since I discovered this problem because something wasn't set right and I've gone through, you know, those process of anger and disappointment, discouragement, all of this stuff. And I, I've been faced then with this crisis. What do I do? Do I go ahead and publish these videos that sound horrible in my opinion and really don't represent my brand that well? Or do I not publish these videos and miss out on the opportunities that these videos gave? Because this was a once-in-a-lifetime event, so some of the tips that I'll share with you don't really apply to this. So my decision is, yes, I will release these videos anyway. You'll be able to watch them on theaudacitytopodcast.com, on my YouTube channel at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash YouTube, and in the special video version or separate version of the audacity to podcast over at the audacity to podcast.com slash iTunes video. And that is by the way, completely different content from generally different content from the audio edition of the podcast. I'm actually going to rename the video version. So it doesn't just seem like it's the video version of the same content. So that will be renamed soon, but you can get that at the audacity to podcast.com slash iTunes video. So I will be pressing on and publishing this. And yes, I see it as somewhat of a failure. And this isn't the only time I've messed up in podcasting. I've messed up many other times before with content, with uh, quality, with the way that I've presented content. But these five tips have helped me before and I hope that they will help you too. And these are what I will be applying in several different ways to the content that I recorded from CES 2014. So I'm pressing on going forward with it. I'm going to fix some of the stuff and I'll talk more about that as I go on. But let's start with these five tips. Number one, redo if possible. 
I know that it's not always possible to completely redo your content, sure. But if at all possible, if you can, this is my highest suggestion because, yes, this does mean that it takes more time because you are probably re-recording your entire episode. Maybe it's just a small portion of the episode, but it may take you less time to redo the episode completely than it would take you to edit and try and fix the episode. I've done this several times before for different reasons. One of the main reasons has been that I would complete an episode and I felt like my presentation was just horrible. I didn't explain it well. I wasn't passionate. Whatever my reasons were, I just felt like the content was great. My presentation was horrible. So I redid it. And I was very happy that I did. My redo was much, much better than the first time. Sometimes if you join me for the live show on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash live, then you may have heard some of these redos. And if you listen to then the download edition, you hear the live edition, then you hear the download edition and you realize, wait, these are a little bit different. One of the other times that I did a redo was I realized I got my episode number wrong. So every time I mentioned the show notes URL, I said the wrong number. I could have gone through, found all of those times, re-recorded it, inserted my saying the right number, or I could have put some little intro at the beginning to say, hey, I messed up. Every time I say this number, I really mean that. But I didn't want to do either of those things. I knew it would take a lot of time to go through and find all of those places where I said the wrong number and fix it. I do not listen back through my episodes in order to edit them. I don't do that kind of editing. So what I decided to do was just re-record the episode, and it took less time to redo the episode, about 30 to 45 minutes, than it would have taken me to go through and fix all of those spots. Now, this isn't always possible to do, and it may also be very embarrassing if you have a co-host or especially some kind of special guest for your podcast to have to go to them and ask for a do-over is really embarrassing. It will feel so totally unprofessional. But generally, I think they'll be understanding, especially when the do-over will make them look better. If the initial recording just didn't go well and you think it's a bad impression of them, a bad representation of them, then definitely do over. Make sure that they look the best possible so that they would be proud to reshare this content, promote it, and tell people to check it out. When you're asking for a do-over, though, make sure that you're humble, apologetic, and be extremely flexible in this. Make whatever effort you can, and even what seems impossible, make it possible if you have to move heaven and earth in order to be flexible, to make whatever time works for them work for you. Because you're already inconveniencing inconveniencing them by asking them to redo the episode. And if they say, well, I can do it tomorrow at one o'clock, you make that work. Because to have to juggle around a schedule again and try and work through making a, a mutually workable time for both of you is just, I think, asking a little bit too much since you're already asking them to redo. But sometimes you won't get that magical moment again in your second take. 
because the first time it's genuine, the joke is genuinely funny. It's the first time you've heard it. Maybe the second time, though, it's just a courtesy laugh or you're laughing again because you want to make sure it sounds like it's your first time. Yeah, some of that will happen. Sometimes there will be those magical moments that you just can't redo. Something that happened in your first recording, there's no way to redo it. It's impossible to redo. In that case, you could consider maybe releasing that as some bonus or maybe attaching it to the end of your episode, almost like a blooper reel or just something fun that happened. And you can let people know this amazing thing happened in the first time that we we recorded this and we couldn't get it the second time, but I want to share this with you, even though the quality is different, whatever kind of intro you have to give, but it could be something that your fans would still enjoy, even though the quality is lower, but the majority of your content has a higher quality. So consider this, if at all possible, I think this is the best thing that you can do is redo it if possible. But if it's not possible, that's where the rest of these tips come in. Number two, don't start with an apology. If you have to publish something that you consider a failure, don't treat it like a failure. Don't start apologizing when you start your podcast. It's the worst thing that you can do. Your first words to say, I'm sorry, or I apologize for this, or there is a problem with this. That will distract your audience by drawing even more attention to the problem that they may not have even noticed if you hadn't said anything about it. So consider not saying anything about it at all, maybe not even apologizing at all in your episode. Certainly don't start with an apology. And this isn't an issue of being dishonest about your content or anything, but it's it's about pushing your most important content forward and making sure that nothing distracts your audience from that great content. Sure, the audio quality might not be your best, but they can still receive the message. They can still hear the content. So don't distract them by pointing out the fact that there's a problem. Many people might not even notice the problem, and those who do will probably be very understanding, especially in this podcasting space. If this is a rare occasion for you, then they'll understand something just wasn't right in this episode. And then you can progress and make sure that the next episode you release or after you finish this series of episodes, then you're back to your regular high quality. And this isn't just exclusive to podcasters who have problems with mistakes happening. Movies have mistakes all of the time. Like, have you seen in the Star Wars movie, the original 1977 Star Wars movie, there's a stormtrooper that when they walk into this room, the stormtrooper bangs his head on the door. Either he was too tall or the door just didn't open all the way. He forgot to duck, whatever it was, but he bangs his head on the door and just moves on a little bit. That was a mistake. Yeah, try not noticing that after you see it or try finding it if you can. But there's also in the movie Gettysburg, the World War II, or the uh, Civil War movie, there's a spot where in the background you can see a minivan driving through the scene and they forgot to remove that in the final release of Gettysburg. And there are many more things like this. And if you really want to have a fun time with movie mistakes, go to moviemistakes.com. I have that link in the show notes for this episode, number 158. 
But that site lists a bunch of movie mistakes, either continuity errors, uh, scene errors, or things like, hey, you can see a gas tank here in the scene in Gladiator, or all of these different problems that might come up. But you'll never hear the director or the actors or the crew apologize for these things. Many times, you may not even notice them. Like, did you ever notice the minivan in Gettysburg? Did you notice the stormtrooper who bumped his head? Did you notice the pattern on the ground behind that person changed between scenes? Did you actually notice these things before someone pointed them out to you? Your audience may not notice the problems with your content, so don't start with an apology and consider not even including an apology. If the content is still consumable that you put out there, you may not need to even apologize for the lower quality and your audience will most likely be very understanding to you. So that's number two. Don't start with an apology. Number three, fix it the best you can. There are those times you can't redo it and you can't just excuse it and let it go. You have to press on and make the best with what you have. Yeah, it will feel embarrassing. That's where sometimes you may need to take a little bit of time and see, well, is it really as embarrassing as you think it is? Is it really as bad as you think it is? But you may want to invest the time in order to fix whatever the problem is the best that you can. If your audio is horrible, like in my CES videos, try to fix it, enhance it, Or make the problems that are in the audio less prominent. Noise removal is a great tool, and I've talked about noise removal in the past with Audacity, and many other audio editing tools have different forms of noise removal or hiss removal. And to let you know what I'll be doing to fix the problems in the videos is I will be running the audio through Adobe Audition, which has a hiss removal tool, not just a noise removal, but also a hiss removal tool which processes the audio a little bit differently. But if I try to remove the hiss completely, the audio will sound horrible. It will sound like we are underwater or in a tin can or in an aluminum encased room. It won't sound good. So the idea is to reduce the problems, make them less prominent, not to try to completely remove them, but just mask them out a little bit. The same thing applies with image editing that the best kind of image editing doesn't make the face perfect because then when you see the person in person in real life, then suddenly you'll be surprised that, oh, they've got wrinkles. I didn't think they had wrinkles at all. Well, the best kind of image editing is when you reduce the distracting things, not completely remove them, but reduce them. And if you're doing something with video and your video seems completely unusable, but your audio is fine, well, you could consider ways of covering up the problems with the video. Maybe by using some supporting footage or secondary footage, we typically call this B-roll, or maybe you could make up some kind of um, new footage to cover up some of the things. Like it could be screenshots, it could be some extra footage that you record of the product. This is a great way to cover up if you have to have edit points that you take some B-roll and you display something while you have your edit point in the background. So to the viewer, they hear your voice just continues. They don't realize there was an edit that they would 
usually see visually because your camera would split, you would pop into a different position, lighting would change slightly, anything like that. But putting in some of these transition point videos can help cover that up. Or you could cover up your video a lot more by doing a lot more B-roll. If you have a product review video, for example, that your initial interview with the person didn't turn out very well, like maybe some of my CES videos, if my CES videos had terrible video quality, what I might consider doing is getting the product and then filming a lot of the product, my hands showing the product or angles of the product. So that way I could use more of that in the video, covering up the mistakes that the video has. And there are many different ways that you could apply this in video and in audio, things that you can do to make it better or to cover up the problems a little bit. Like if you have background noise, a common thing, instead of completely trying to remove the background noise, a common thing is add more background noise. As weird as that sounds, but by add more, I mean maybe background music can help cover up the fact that you've got some bad background noise in your recording. Use this stuff with caution, of course. And fixing the problems can take a lot of time. And one main thing to remember is like with the noise removal, don't try to completely remove the noise, just reduce it. If you if you have garbage, garbage audio, garbage video, whatever, you can only make the garbage stink a little bit less or look a little bit less gross. It's still garbage. And, and don't treat your content like garbage, but you may feel like it's garbage and don't try to turn it into a beautiful work of art and make it perfect because you're not going to be able to garbage in garbage out garbage process garbage result it just won't be that pristine studio quality that you'll be going for except that but make it the best you can and there may be ways that you could partially redo your content in order to fix the problem. For example, if you had an audio podcast where you're interviewing someone and their audio turned out great, but your audio was horrible, maybe you accidentally used your internal microphone instead of your studio microphone. Maybe you didn't even record your side. That's happened to me before. I was the guest on a show and I recorded my side and the main host forgot to record their side. Whatever problem happens like that, where it's on just one side, what you could consider doing is keep your guest's audio, but re-record your part. So re-record your asking the question or your responses to some of their statements. It Try and make it flow as best as you can. And that could be difficult and it will take a lot of time, sure. But you may end up with a much better quality than if you just pressed on with what you had and try to improve that quality. Another thing that you could do is if your video wasn't that great, you could change the style of your video completely. Like you could have a documentary style video where you have a voiceover and you are in studio sharing your thoughts and then cutting to clips of your video, maybe showing something but not actually letting the audio play through or maybe letting some of the audio play through instead of showing some of the video so you produce it a little bit differently and that's another way of fixing it or you could release the content in a completely different way if you recorded a video and the video was horrible but the audio was great well then maybe release it as just an audio episode if you did just an audio episode and the audio was horrible 
maybe turn it into a blog post instead. So look at those ways that you can repurpose the content in a higher quality way so that whatever problems you ran into don't even exist in whatever format that you choose to repurpose your content into. So just remember though, again, I I need to stress this, don't try to fix things too much. Don't try to make it perfect. Just try to reduce the distraction of the problems as much as possible. And it may take some time to do this, but it may be worth it to you depending on what kind of problems you ran into. So that's number three, fix it the best you can. Number four, skip if it's too bad. I know that you might be really proud of some particular content. You may have some reason that you really want to push this out, but you feel really, really ashamed of it in some way. Maybe it was just too embarrassing, too horrible, or you can't even understand anything that's going on whatsoever. If it's beyond repair, or it will just take way too much time for you to repair, consider maybe skipping it altogether. It's kind of the nuclear option for you to completely skip this. So be very, very careful with what you decide to completely skip. Like in my case, if I decided that my CES videos are, oh, the audio is too terrible. I don't want to release this. I'm going to be ashamed. I'm not going to release this at all. Well, that would be about 20 different videos, 20 different interviews with some great content that I'd be skipping. And that's that's a lot of content to be skipping and just saying it's not worth it. It's too bad to release. No, I'm deciding to go ahead and press on and release it. But if it was maybe one of my videos out of the 20 videos, one of them was really bad, either really bad content, really bad presentation, really bad production, anything like that, then I might decide, well, this is one out of 20. I'm going to go ahead and skip this. Or for your episode, you may decide that eh, this just wasn't a great episode. I'm going to go ahead and skip this. This happened in our comedy podcast once, and comedy is pretty difficult at times, but we recorded an episode and we recorded it live so people got to enjoy the show live and all of that. But I just felt like after we recorded the episode, I just felt like we were dragging. We weren't really having that much fun. Uh, One of the people on the panel, I won't say who it is, it could have been me, wasn't having a good day and that was coming out through the podcast and there just weren't many fun moments and looking at it as a comedy podcast, it just wasn't really comedy and it wasn't anything like, well, the comedy was niche or we had inside jokes or not everyone would get it, nothing like that. It was just not funny and it seemed more like just an average conversation with an occasional jab that wasn't actually that funny. So I made the decision to just completely skip that episode. The people who viewed it live, they got to see it, they got to enjoy it, fine. But we completely skipped that episode. And the next week, we repeated the episode number and we even repeated some of the content. But that next week, it turned out okay. But we did essentially skipped the episode completely and skipped an episode for that week completely. But before you decide to completely skip something, because I know you might feel like, well, I'm going to be embarrassed if this comes out. It's just, it doesn't represent me very well. 
Look at the big picture. Take some time. Give it a day, maybe a couple days. Ask someone else's opinion. Maybe ask one of your audience members' opinion about that. Let them see a preview and ask them, "Is do you think this is good enough? Would Did you still enjoy this? If This little preview here with this poor quality, did you still enjoy it? Did you still understand it? Do you think it's good enough to release? Give it some time. Don't be so quick to use the nuclear option to skip the content and the episode completely. That's number four. Skip if it's too bad. Number five, this is the most important thing. Ensure it doesn't happen again. No matter how you handle the problem that you faced with your podcast, learn as much as you can from it so that you can prevent the problem in the future. See, I I was recently interviewed on someone else's podcast. It was the Business Computing Weekly podcast with Bruce Naylor, and he asked a very good question about my failures as an entrepreneur. And I thought about it, and I realized I don't really see anything as a failure yet because every, quote, failure, unquote, I've learned something from it, and it's helped me to succeed in another way. So I don't really see a bunch of failures or really any failures. I see bad decisions that led to experience. You know, they say good decisions come from experience and experience comes from bad decisions. It's something like that. And that can happen with your podcast too. So don't view these things as a complete utter failure, complete waste of time and all of that. But it's it's kind of like Thomas Edison with the light bulb who went through 10,000 different elements looking for different things or that would uh, work in the light bulb. And if you were Thomas Edison, would you have given up partway through and considered it all a waste? Or at the very end, would you decide this was a complete waste of time? Sure, I've got a working light bulb now, but this, all of this other stuff was a complete waste. No, it was all steps toward success. So view your failures as steps toward success and learn from them. This may mean that you need to change the way that you do things or add steps to your process or maybe purchase stuff in order to ensure this doesn't happen again. My CES failure that happened in 2014 could have been so easily avoided if I'd started out with a little test video and then checked it before going out onto the floor and recording the interviews. That could have solved all of those problems because I would have realized, hey, there's this major problem here. Let's fix this before we go out. Even if you're absolutely confident in your workflow and you are certain that your equipment won't fail, that everything is set up as it needs to be, still do a short test and it will help reassure you. And this is especially good to do right before you have those big opportunities, like a celebrity interview. Do you really want to discover after the celebrity interview that their audio channel was muted and it didn't actually go into your recorder? No, try a Skype test call. It's really easy. Echo123 is the Skype name for its Skype test call. Try something like that. Get one of your friends on Skype or on Google Hangouts or on the phone or whatever you need to do to do some little test to ensure that whatever problem you've had before doesn't happen again. You may need to buy more equipment too. Let me give you some examples of some of the mistakes I've made in the past and how I then changed my workflow in order to prevent these mistakes from happening again and 
I have prevented them from happening again. So one of the first early podcasting mistakes I made was I was recording to my PC. That wasn't the problem, okay? I'm not completely against recording into your PC. But I did something stupid. I overstressed my PC. I had too much stuff running. I was trying to do too many things at the same time while recording into my PC. So it was completely my fault. I did something stupid. And the result was the first 13 minutes or so of this particular episode I'd recorded were corrupt, completely unusable. So what I did was at that moment, I decided I don't want to risk this again. And I've already been thinking about external audio recorders. So I decided right then I finished doing some research and I purchased my audio recorder and that problem hasn't happened again. In fact, my audio has never been corrupted ever since then because I've reduced the number of points of potential failure so that it's something that might not even occur ever because if there's going to be a failure, it's not going to be that kind of failure at all. So that was something that I learned right then. And that was early on back in 2009, I believe, was when I uh, chose to switch over to an external recorder. 2009 or yeah, 20, 2009. Yeah. If you want to find out more reasons about maybe why you should consider having an external recorder for your podcast, check out the Audacity to Podcast episode 99. And I will have a link to that in the show notes as well. One of the other things that happened was I kept repeating a particular mistake, and that was I didn't press the record button. It was when I'd rearranged my studio and I wanted to get my external recorder out of the way and put it next to my mixer. The problem was I kept forgetting to press the record button because it wasn't in front of my face as much. So I moved the recorder back to where it was more prominent, more in front of my face and where I could see if the light wasn't solid or if it was blinking, indicating that it was paused or in standby mode. So I could know very easily whether I was recording. And it's very easy to glance down at it, make sure the recording levels look good, make sure that the timer is going. And I haven't had that problem as many times as I did back then because I moved my recorder. I also had an issue when I first got my Canon T4i, a digital SLR camera, in order to do video. The focus on the camera was a little bit crazy. And in fact, if you look back at one of my early videos, a podcast awards nomination video, I believe, you'll see that the focus kept changing in the background. You can especially see it with some of the items in the background, which there were items in the background that should not have been there, by the way. But I had the autofocus on and what the camera was doing is my slightest little movement it would readjust the autofocus and refocus itself. So that meant it had to blur the screen a little and then it got back in focus. And that happened several times throughout the video. So after I discovered that, I I went on and I went ahead and published the video because I thought the problem wasn't bad enough to not publish the video. But after that, I stopped relying on the automatic controls and I switched to manual. There was also another instance similar to this where... I started a video, I would get the focus right, and I'd do a test, the test looked fine, and then I'd start the video, 
And then I bring it into my computer after I'd fully recorded the video and the focus was off. I couldn't understand it. My tests, every time I did a test, it worked fine. But then when I recorded the video, it stopped working fine. And the problem was that when I was doing my test, my head was in a certain position. When I did the video, my head was in a different position, revealing something in the background that the camera decided that item in the background was more important to focus on than my head. So when I did my tests, it focused on me. When I did the actual video, it focused on the background. So completely messed up. Again, another one of those things. I think that was one of my second videos, maybe, or somewhere around there. And I decided I'm not going to rely on this autofocusing at all. I'm going to manually focus, leave it on manual focus, make sure that it works, do a little test in manual focus, and not change anything from my test to when I go live. And I haven't had that problem ever since then. Something I'll be doing probably this year is buying a cough button or cough buttons for my co-hosts so that they can mute themselves if they need it for a cough, a sneeze, a sniffle, anything like that, so that they don't have to just lean away from the microphone, but they can press this button very simply, very easily, have their quick little cough, sniffle, anything like that, and then release the button and continue on. That makes it a lot easier for me on the editing and probably makes them feel a little bit more special that they have some control over muting themselves because I'm here at the mixer. I have the ability to mute myself if I have to cough, clear my throat, sniffle, anything like that. They don't. Or they could try and signal me, which they forget to do. I might not understand all of that kind of complication. So I'll be looking at some cough buttons for my co-host to be able to have for their own microphones and muting them on demand. So the five tips for overcoming a podcast failure is number one, redo if possible. Number two, don't start with an apology. Number three, fix it the best you can. Number four, skip if it's too bad. And number five, ensure it doesn't happen again. One little visual lesson I want you to take from this is check out the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 158 and check out the photo there that I have from Mr. T in DC, a Creative Commons photo from Flickr. But I thought it represented podcast failure pretty well. It's of a, a few cupcakes, and there's one cupcake that the icing is either really melted or someone stuck their hand in this, but it looks gross. It, it doesn't look as appetizing. But here's the thing it still tastes like a cupcake. It still will taste great. The icing is still there, mostly. It will still have that enjoyable experience. And I, I I thought this represented the idea of po- these occasional podcast failures really well, because even though you may consider something to be a failure or an embarrassment or just not as good as the rest of them, to your audience, they'll still enjoy the content. They'll still enjoy in consuming it. And they may be forgiving of these things because they still get the great experience or most of the great experience that they've come to know from you and they know that this doesn't happen all the time. So check out the show notes also at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 158 and let me know what have been your embarrassing podcasting moments and how did you work through those? How did you overcome them? What did you do to ensure the problem didn't happen again in the future? Please comment on the show notes. I'd love to hear your stories. 
That's over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 158. And you can also go there for all the links I mentioned and the show notes for this episode. Two things I want you to check out are Podcasters Roundtable and Podcast Masterclass. In Podcasters Roundtable, we recently recorded an episode about should your podcast have its own standalone mobile app? Not just be in mobile apps like the podcast apps or Instacast, Downcast, any of those kind of podcatcher programs for mobile devices, but should your app have its own mobile app? Or should your podcast have its own mobile app? So should there be uh, the Audacity to Podcast app or a Noodle Mix Network app? It was a great conversation that we had with Ray Ortega, Dave Jackson, Rob Walsh, Chase Nunes, and Kevin uh, Scullion. And myself as we debated this idea and rob walsh is a big proponent of it chase nunes is a big opponent of having your own app and some great points came up some great conversation i've got the link in the show notes for this episode check it out podcasters roundtable or just go to podcastersroundtable.com and check out all of our episodes we also recorded an episode at new media expo about ironically our conference is worth it and we had a great conversation there, a lot of passion, a lot of energy. And the guest for the Podcasters Roundtable was the audience. So we were passing around the microphone, letting people from the audience speak, share their opinions as we were discussing these things. The other thing is Podcast Masterclass over at podcastmasterclass.com. This is your last chance for the February Podcast Masterclass. I will have more of these in the year, and I know you may be holding out until you hear what some other people think and how this went. I'm really looking forward to this because if you want to take your podcast from average to amazing, Podcast Masterclass is for you. It will be a school of hard knocks where you will learn how to make your existing podcast much better. We'll talk about business, profit, promotion, production, and a lot of other things that probably start with the letter P, but things that help you make your podcast so much better, including a 100 plus point evaluation of your podcast to discover what's hurting your podcast, what are you doing well, and what are some of the high priority actions you can take to improve. If you want to sign up at podcastmasterclass.com, Use the promo code TAPLISTENER to save on your registration over at podcastmasterclass.com. That's T-A-P-L-I-S-T-N-E-R over at podcastmasterclass.com. Lastly, but certainly not least, big congratulations to Rob Greenley, the Microsoft podcasting guy. As you know, he's been managing the content for podcasts and networking with Windows Phone, Xbox Live, and Zoom. He has a new job now. He is the chief technology offer, office, officer, almost sounds like I'm drunk there, chief, the CTO for Podcast One. This is the podcast advertising company that came from Westwood One that was a major radio advertising company. And the CEO of Podcast One was at New Media Expo, and he was on a panel with uh, Leo Laporte and Stitcher CEO Noah Chinook. And Norm Pattis from Podcast One was talking and had some really passionate things and encouraging things to say about the podcasting space, about podcast advertising, about podcast monetization. And Podcast One is really showing that the podcasting industry is mature, 
and it's ready to grow and there's a great future for podcasting. And having Rob Greenley on the team is a great win for Podcast One. So big congratulations to Rob Greenley. I'm really looking forward to what Rob does with Podcast One and how he'll be helping out the platform and helping many podcasters out there. And if you'd like to check out Podcast One, well, the address is podcastone.com. And it's it's primarily for bigger podcasts, but I can see them maybe reaching out to some smaller podcasts someday in the future. And they're doing some great things. Definitely watch them. Even if you don't work with them, watch what they're doing because they could really help bring some extra validity to this space, some extra attention as they already have been doing. And I think that Rob Greenley will be helping do that even more. So big congratulations to Rob Greenley. I'd love to hear from you, your stories about podcasting failure, how you overcame them, what you did to prevent those kinds of failures in the future. Please share your story with me by going to the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 157. I'd also love to hear from you, your thoughts and questions that I can cover in future episodes of the Audacity to Podcast. Email feedback at theaudacitypodcast.com or call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221. You can also go to theaudacitytopodcast.com on your computer or iOS device and send a voice message right through the website. Big thank you for all the iTunes reviews, the feedback, the encouragement, the comments on the site. I'm looking forward to 2014 and some cool things coming out. And watch for my videos on the website, on YouTube, on my iTunes video version of the podcast, my videos from CES 2014. And you can let me know, hey, Daniel, the audio wasn't really that bad. Thank you so much for posting it. But please follow me on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. And now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools... It's time for you to go podcast with passion, organization, and dialogue. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from theaudacitytopodcast.com. Thank you for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here Find more at techpodcast.com and check out our thorough CES 2014 coverage over at tpn.tv.